Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch, and on today's show, we have Karen Lawton and Barbara Bolden from SJ Technologies. Cybersecurity is a mission-critical issue for everyone in business today, and we're going to talk to them about what you need to know as a CEO running your company. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Happy to be here. You can find out more about SJ Technologies, our guests, listen to past shows at www.ceoexclusiveradio.com. Let's start off by finding out whether or not you think, Karen and Barbara, that we're actually winning the war, uh, the cybersecurity war. Well, that's a that's a loaded question. I think um, I'm not sure if anyone's winning that war. I think it's it's evolving very quickly, <clears throat> and it's one of those things that. Um, we found as, as quickly as, as one issue is resolved, another one pops up. So I think it's going to be a while before there's a, a clear declaration of winner. Mm. What do you think, Barbara? Well, I think that the, um, the people that are um, hacking and trying to get into the commercial and the government world are very clever at what they are doing and that they are very good at keeping up with the defenses that the people that are fighting them are building. And it's going to be a leapfrog game. And that I think the people that are building the cybersecurity need to become aggressive in fighting and they need to leapfrog what is out there. When you say leapfrog, what do you mean? I mean, not only just fight what it, are the attacks, but to try to out think the attackers and build a defense before the attack comes. One, we've had a number of cybersecurity experts on the show before, and it feels like this is one area where the, we just never get any good news. Like every time you hear about cybersecurity on the news, it's such and such was hacked, such and such was brought down, such and such had money stolen. Why is it that that we're not being told about the victories or is it really just that there really isn't any good news that we're being told about. Yeah, I think it's a little of both. So there's there's probably an element of not being able to share some of the the information. You don't necessarily want to uh, give any information about what your next step is going to be. So um, and also, I think things you know, the media likes to sensationalize. So there's you know, it's it's there's some good stories there when. The Fed has $18 million stolen from it. Yeah. And so that that makes the headline news. So I, I think um, it may seem grim from that perspective. And, and it's it's obviously a very serious issue. And and like we said, one that's going to continue to to rear its ugly head. But uh, I don't think it's it's quite as uh, disparaging as as it seems. Mm. So tell us tell us some good news. Like you say that it's not as bad as it seems. What do you think is good about what the government and even the pulp, the private sector is doing to fight hackers and the cybersecurity threat? Well, 
just even what we've seen in the last couple of years is is a big move towards uh, making investments in um, defenses. I think the government and and other you know uh, private sector organizations are learning a lot from those. Um, I guess, uh, challenges and, and these, um, hacks that they're experiencing. So because of that, there's a, there's a groundswell of a lot of new technology, just more and more uh, research being done and funds and efforts being poured into it. So I think the sense of urgency is a lot uh, stronger now, which is a good thing. So I think we've had enough wake up calls that, people are paying attention. And uh, so the good news is, is that I think we're going to see even more and more move towards investing in uh, defense Hmm. against cyber. Barbara, you've been in this industry for a very long time. Sorry, I don't mean to, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this, that's more to build build credibility. What do you think it's going to take for the U.S. to win the, the cybersecurity war? Well, I think that definitely we are going to win because uh, to just reiterate and emphasize some of the things that Karen said, I think that there is a tremendous emphasis on the cybersecurity effort. She also, as she said, that you're not going to hear too much about it because a lot of it is top secret. It's very proprietary. It just it is one of these things that no news is good news in this case you're not going to hear about the successes because we obviously do not want our our um, global adversaries to understand at all what we're doing. But, I mean, I constantly, as a business analyst, am getting emails, newscasts, webcasts, webinars that will inform me of different trends, different techniques, different tools. Um, There's just, it's hard to believe the enormous wealth of information, activity, technology that's being poured into this by the private sector and the public sector. I mean, it is definitely the biggest game in town. Hmm. One thing that's really perplexed me, even though that you say that there's a sense of urgency, for example, I don't feel like there's the outrage that I would expect if there were a physical attack on, on U.S. assets. So, for example, when the DNC was hacked recently, you know, allegedly by Russian hackers, you know, if that happened in real life where there was a U.S. territory that was attacked by a foreign agent, there would be serious repercussions. And it feels like me being a, you know, a layperson outside of the industry that like, it was like, okay, Russia hacked the DNC. It was, what a shame. So... Tell me a little bit about why there isn't the sense of outrage. And, and I would expect a counterattack. I would expect something to be happening. And it doesn't feel like there is. Uh, I think it's, there, it's a new battleground, right? And I think the, the, the rules of engagement are, are being figured out as this happens. But I, I do believe that behind the scenes, um, there are counterattacks, and measures being taken. I don't know, Barbara, if you have any other insight on this, but just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. But the public, it, it, I think as more and more of this happens, we're going to see additional, trying to think of the words, but we're going to see additional challenges and, and more measures being taken from the public and it's, you know, 
it's just going to continue to evolve. Mm-hmm. It's very complicated. It's very, very complicated. What's currently going on even is very complicated in terms of protecting information. There's numerous layers. There's numerous techniques. Some of the techniques are software techniques, which would be very difficult to understand and explain to even people that are semi-technical, let alone people that are technical. Um, Some of the techniques are hardware Um, There's layers of cryptography and encryption. Some of the techniques are just processes that people follow. There's just so many layers of protection that are already there. And this isn't even to mention layers that would be being worked on that are being developed to enhance our protection. So I think it's hard to explain and it's hard for people to conceive of what is actually involved when we talk about being attacked on a cyber level if you're not involved in the industry at all. So when the public hears, oh, we're attacked cyber, like, what does that actually mean to someone that's not involved in the field? It's just kind of like words. So I think that explains a a lack of outrage on the public part. Let's kind of bring it down to the level of the people who are listening, CEOs of middle market companies. What do you think are some of the measures that CEOs can take to shore themselves up in this area? I've heard in the past month of two CEOs who've had a significant amount of money stolen from their bank accounts through cyber attacks. And for the most part, it's something that the average CEO in this this market doesn't think that they're vulnerable. So they may not be paying attention to it. Tell us some recommendations that you have for practical things that uh, CEOs can do. Because you are in this market. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing that doesn't cost millions of dollars to protect yourself. Yeah. So I would suggest that anyone who owns a business or, you know, any CEO to find a subject matter expert that can advise them on the best approach for their business. Somebody who has experience in this arena, and this is not for the amateurs, right? You need to find those experts that have tremendous knowledge around this type of warfare and that can advise them on how to best protect their company. And there might be an investment in the beginning, but it's not a matter of if, but when. I mean, everybody is vulnerable. So that would be the first step I would take. And then from there, see what suggestions those experts have and, you know, take measurable steps to um, continue to, to protect themselves. Where would you put this in terms of priority of spend? I, every company I've spoken to, every federal agency, this is the number one priority. Most Barbara's of their nodding. spend, it, I mean, I, you know, the, the U.S. Treasury is one of our largest customers. And, you know, obviously there's, that's a big push for them. And, and that goes for, like we said, every agency and uh, company that we've talked to, that's, the number one priority. You you put it above investing in sales, for example? Yes. 
And at this point, you believe that this kind of cybersecurity protection is is table stakes for being in business. Absolutely. What percentage or how do how do you think about budget for protecting yourself? Well, I think that's why it the first step should be to speak to subject matter experts on this it have them advise them on a you know a cybersecurity plan or security plan in general that way the ceo has the ability to then budget accordingly because if you don't know what you don't know it's it's hard to say you know allocate this amount of money i think you know working with somebody initially to help build that roadmap and that plan out is is probably the best way to go I was just going to add, because the first step in the subject matter experts analysis is going to be where you, where a company is in their particular cybersecurity life cycle. I mean, they might have not started at all, and they may be extremely vulnerable, or they may have taken a lot of steps, either consciously or unconsciously. So their budget allocation is going to depend on where they are on that road. You are in this world. What are your expectations for the direction in which this fight's going to go over the next, let's say, three to five years? I think we have very high expectations. And I think we are going to be actively involved in helping with this, uh, you know, defense against cyber attacks. So um, it's it's definitely one of those things that we're we're extremely focused on and we are looking for innovative ways to, to help join that fight. Mm. Well, all warfare on a global level is more and more technological. And I think this is just another example of how the world is going to wage war technologically. It's going to be on an information level. It's not just going to be with bullets and bombs. It's going to be by stealing informational assets. So obviously that's going to ramp up as much as anything else. Great, great. Key takeaways from this segment for those listening. If you don't already have a cybersecurity plan in place, it is table stakes for being in business in today's market. You must have some sort of plan for cybersecurity. Second, get an advisor. Don't try to do it on your own. Thank you very much. Thank you. We're talking to Karen Lawton and Barbara Bolden at SJ Technologies about cybersecurity. We're going to turn the conversation, though, to a little bit about their relationship. We didn't mention it before, but they're actually a mother and daughter team. Karen, what was your relationship with Barbara, and how did you end up in business together? So Barbara and I have a very interesting relationship, actually. So I'm adopted from Korea. I came over when I was 13 months old. My Adopted family was very cerebral, very technologically advanced. So Barbara worked at Bell Labs. My father worked at Bell Labs. Uh, And I don't know if it was environmental or, I mean, I guess certain aspects had to be environmental. Uh, But we had always been, my brother and I had always been um, encouraged to Uh, think outside of the box, to leverage technology, whatever it was at the time. Barbara always was a a role model in that aspect. So as things evolved over time, um, I just, I always knew that 
regardless of uh, background or gender, that anything was possible because I saw her as a role model in in that in a predominantly male um, industry. Hmm. And Barbara, how did you how did you end up owning a company in this industry back decades ago? Well, I think one thing that drove me was it became increasingly obvious that it was really going to be hard to um, move ahead in a corporate environment back in the day unless you were willing to just go for the gusto. And I was not a one to accept no or obstacles. (laughs) So the best road... I love it. (laughs) The best road to me seemed to just strike out on my own. And um, at, at some point in that life cycle of my company, Karen came of age and she became part of that. She was just from the very beginning a natural. You hired, you, you hired her. Yes. How was how it growing up, Karen, with a, a mother as an entrepreneur? Because often that business has to be your first love. Am yeah. I wrong, Barbara? No, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> We, it's, it's an interesting point you bring up. I, and I think at the time, especially in, in those uh, teenage years where you're demanding attention, there were definitely times where I felt like her career took the, you know, precedence versus us or the, you know, our, my brother and I. However, um, we joke about it now because my brother and I always said, well, if you can't beat them, join them. So, <laughs> um, you know, I think I've, I've learned so much and, and it turned out really well. And as mature adults, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. Mm. So you, you couldn't get mom's attention. So you actually went to go join the business. That's funny. Yeah. And what happened from there? How did you end up going from working for your mother to now having her work for you? Well, a lot transpired since 2001 after Certainly. Uh, the software <laughs> company was no longer. Um, I went on to do, you know, various different things in technology. Barbara took some well-deserved time off and then uh, went to get her master's in education and became a math teacher. So there again, there's a, a, a great example of someone, you know, in their 60s just completely starting over and doing something that they're passionate about. So that's always been a great example for me that you can always start no matter where you are in your life and and do what you want to do. So when I decided to start my own company, it was right around the time that Barbara was going to be retiring from being a math teacher and of course, you know, with all the wealth of knowledge that she has, uh, she can still do circles around me, by the way, <laughs> um, no. her, her brain. Um, so we just knew that it would be a good fit to bring her on and, and help me build this business. So, And I also felt that um, it was a way to also perhaps pay back a little bit for any neglect she might have felt as a teenager. <laughs> So this oh, was a good sweet. this was a good way to make amends for anything that she lacked by uh, helping her with her business. And uh, after ten years as a teen as a teacher, where I taught um, students that had struggled with uh, mainline education, that this was a 
a nice change to go back to my roots. So, Karen, better late than never, huh? That's exactly. Right. exactly. <laughs> How is it working with family? So it, it doesn't always work out where mom and daughter, I couldn't do it. I couldn't work with my mother. How does that actually work? Well, it's not our first rodeo, right? We've done this before. But still, you got it to work the first time. And then... I, you know, I don't know what that, that, I guess you have some feedback on that. Well, my theory on it was that um, we separated to go our different ways as adults. And then we came back together as adults for the first company. And I think that was a big help. It wasn't like, she came directly from being a child or an adolescent into the company. So I think that for her and her brother both, they joined the company as adults who had done other things. And I I think that made an enormous difference rather than coming directly into the company with no adult world experience. Mm. What's your approach to dealing with conflict? Because I know certainly the family dynamic can get conflated with the business dynamic. How do you how do you approach the conflict issue? I think we actually do a really good job at handling that just because we've we've put a, a lot of time in understanding how to resolve conflict within just the family arena. So we've carried that over to our professional lives as well. I mean, we really I think um I, I always joke at Christmas that we're the most functional, dysfunctional family around because we just, we know how to resolve any uh, challenges. And at the end of the day, we, we trust each other and know that we all want the same things. And so there's, there's a lot of healthy conflict, but we really don't have any issues that, that bleeds over into, you know, just our everyday lives, do we? No, I know it sounds very Pollyanna, but we did have some tough times you know, when the kids were growing up. And I think that led us to learn some very good conflict resolution techniques that have served us well as everybody is adults, either in the family or in the business. And it's just the truth. Mm. Let's just say we got it out of our system very early. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. It's a good way to put it. How are you different CEOs? So we have two CEOs here. How are you different? And what's what are what are the different approaches to leadership? They're both giggling. <laughs> well, I think that I am much more aggressive overtly because the time in which I was a CEO, I had to be being a woman in a man's world. And I think Karen is much more tactful and approachable. Yet still, she has that same assertiveness, which you definitely need to be a CEO, but she seems to have a um, more tactful, well, I'll let her explain it. Yeah, Yeah, I would say uh, social graces is is something that I learned (laughs) from watching Barbara and certainly try to adjust my communication style. (laughs) So that I was approaching people in a way that was not as as aggressive, and and I think that's just part of my personality as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I, it's something that that comes naturally for me. So it, we we definitely have different. There's 
you, you know, some things that are the same, but I would say I'm probably more approachable than Barbara. Hmm. Do you think, Karen, and maybe you can weigh in on this as well, Barbara, one of the complaints that women from Barbara's generation have about women in the subsequent generations is we don't appreciate what they had to go, go through in order for us to have what we have. Do you think that that's actually true? That there's, there's an underappreciation, Barbara? Well, she lived it and saw it. So I, I would definitely say that I think she does. Mm. I can't speak for other women of her age, but I mean, she saw me and she heard me. I mean, you know, I had examples where I would be at meetings and men would ask me to pass the cookies and pour the coffee, literally, which is, you know, something that would never, I hope, would never happen in her generation. You know, I have tons of stories like that. But, um, you know, she lived it through me. So I think, is that true, Karen? Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I, and I think our situation might be a little bit unique, but as we see these changes in the workforce today, I, I don't, you know, what what you're going to see in, in women my age and and feel as far as, you know, do we have it easier or not? I, I don't know. Well, if you look at the, the statistics, it might seem that we have it easier. Maybe they're a little bit more polite and they don't ask you to pass the cookies and the coffee. But the numbers make it clear that it's not that much better. So how... No. How, but I would love to hear from both of you. How, what's your thought on how to how to succeed in an in, in, in industry that is male dominated? My approach to everything is always authenticity. You know, I don't like to play the game. It's just I I bring what I bring, and if it's not genuine, then I don't think it's worth you know bringing to the table. So whether that serves me well in a male dominated environment or not. I don't know. I mean, so far it's worked out okay. And I think people appreciate that approach. And and that's what I encourage all young women or or anyone, right? Um, My daughters included, right? Just just be authentic, be yourself and stand up for what you believe in. And the rest will come. Mm -hmm. Barbara, what was your approach to breaking through? And what advice would you give to women today? Uh, Well, I just was um, like just... I've, I was just um, bullheaded. I mean, I was unstoppable. I was not going to accept that I wasn't going to be accepted. And like I said, if I wasn't going to do it in one place, then I was going to go to another. I mean, I started at a major company, as Karen mentioned, and then I went to a smaller company in the Silicon Valley. And when I couldn't get to the highest ranks there, I started my own company. So... I mean, that's what I would recommend to anyone. And I actually saw Karen do a little bit of that. I mean, she worked at some companies where she couldn't get as high as she wished to be, and she did do some movement. So, I mean, in that sense, I don't think it has changed that much. But I also see Karen um, hiring some um, very, what would be the word, strong male figures to um, work with her. And that has probably served her well also. So some partnerships in a way. I mean, she's there's no doubt she's the leader and they totally recognize that. 
there was no confusion there, but I think it helps to have some some strong males supporting her. Yeah, guys are good. There, there are some good guys in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's right, exactly. exactly, exactly. What do you want people listening to the show to know about SJ Technologies and any kind of future initiatives that you're working towards? We have two uh, practices that we're very excited about that we're building one uh, is around cybersecurity, and the other is around cloud. Now, those are two very, very broad topics. Um, but SJ is, is investing a lot in uh, subject matter experts to carve out manageable solutions for any organization. Um, so you're going to see more in the forefront. We have some uh, press releases going out uh, around some board of advisors that SJ has brought on to help with that endeavor. And then um, around cloud, we are uh, actively helping organizations make their journey to the cloud, their transition to the cloud easier and it, not just easier, but help them map out what they need to do to get there. Um, and those two areas, I would say, is where we are going to be primarily focused. And hopefully we have some intellectual property of our own that we'll be releasing in sometime in the near future. Mm. Well, near future, let's say in the next five years. <laughs> Barbara, did you want to add anything? I was just going to ask. No, I think I'll leave that to Karen more. <clears throat> Great. Well, thank you so much for a, a wonderful show, ladies. Uh, on today's show, we had Karen Lawton and Barbara Bolden of SJ Technologies. We talked with them about cybersecurity and what's happening in the uh, U.S. efforts to improve our cyber, uh, cyber warfare cap capabilities. To find out more about them, please check out our blog at www.ceoexclusiveradio.com. And on Thursday, we'll have a recap available of this show. Thanks so much. This is CE and CEO Exclusive. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at AnonaEnterprises.com.